the title is Reclaiming Territory. And if you open your bulletins there, that there's a passage. It starts out at Genesis 13. Would you read that with me? Just right off of your bulletin. It's right that middle passage. We made it large for me. Ready? You there? The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Wow. Do you know that God not only has purchased eternity for us and heaven for us and this mansion that the Bible talks about, you know, he's done that, but he's done it from the beginning before there was ever a nation Israel. Huh? Before there was a, quote, chosen people, he made a decision that he was going to bless Abraham and bless, in this case, is before God changed his name, Abram. Abram, he said, you will be blessed. Your descendants will be blessed. They'll be more numerous than the stars of the sky, than the sand on the shore. It just, they'll be innumerable. That was God's original. He said, I'm going to fix this because of your faith. Abram, I'm going to do this. Made a, It's called a covenant. Called a covenant. So what happens is, is that Abram and Lot, see, Abram's blessed. Why? It says that Abraham had faith and that faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the Faith Hall of Fame. So in Hebrews 11, it lists the, the faith of Abraham and it says that he had this faith and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. See, Abraham had this faith looking forward to Jesus, looking forward to and knowing God's promises and trusted God. How? There's a thought, just trusting God. And so what happens is, is that Abram is being blessed and his nephew, Lot, he's hanging around with him. Why wouldn't you want to hang around with somebody who's blessed? You ever notice that? Some of you got to change some friendships. You got to change some fellowship because you're hanging around with some people who they won't bless you. You won't get blessed by hanging around with those people. You know why? Because they're colorful people. They probably got some whacked out stuff going on in their life. See, they're getting beat up. That's why they're colorful. See, so what happens is those may not be the right kind of people for you. And you got to recognize that you won't be blessed as long as you run with that pack. Anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? So what happens is, is Lot, he's hanging around with his, with his, uh, his uncle and um, he's being blessed. And Abram's being blessed. And they've got this humongous ponderosa. They got this great territory. But then what happens is pretty soon, it's just a little cramped in here. Huh? Cramped in here. They start running to where it begins to to be where there's not enough room for both of them. And so Abraham says, here's the deal. Lot, I want you to pick a a place. Uh, You tell me where you want to be. He says, you want it here, you want it there. You, you go out and find, find what you want here. You tell me what you want. You can have that. I'm giving it to you. And then Abraham's going to settle wherever Lot didn't want to be. 
So that expanded the territory. So Lot chose the area, and that's actually kind of, this starts it, but I want to take you from there into Genesis. It's in chapter 14. So turn to 14. If you want to read up on the rest of it, I don't have time to go into it other than that helps set the stage for what happens next. I had a phone conversation with my sister this week. She's my baby sister named Cindy. She's number 10 of 10. You don't get any lower than that. She's number 10 of 10. And she calls me and she's been making this transition from ritualistic kind of faith to relationship with Jesus, kind of our church kind of thing. So she goes to church a lot like ours. If she was here, she'd like to come here. She's told me that because she thinks I'm an awesome pastor. So Cindy, we're talking and she's been wanting to move, literally getting the house ready and doing all this stuff. And she's painting and she's doing some construction stuff. And she says, Kevin, her husband isn't all that, you know, handy with those things. So she's doing these things. And so she's, she's working it and Kevin's putting out job applications and he's got headhunters and he's a head of a radiology department at a small hospital down by Beaufort, South Carolina. But he went to the Phoenix thing, did that online and got a master's degree. So now he's, he's able or capable to be an administrator of a hospital. And he'd like to jump up from a 45 to 50 bed, I think is what he is, up to somewhere like 100 to 125, maybe double the size, but be the administrator. And so he's, you know, reasonable. He's not thinking he's going to come in and take over at, you know, UPMC or something. So he, uh, he's been doing this for a long time and just not seeing any. And we've been praying and they'd like to come anywhere within an hour of Pittsburgh, this area. That's how much she wants to come to this church. We'd love that. I think her and I, we just, because we grew up together, you know, that's I'm number nine and she's number 10 and we're two years apart. And um, we just, we've always just gotten along like that. So this week she sent me a text and says, we're not moving, not selling the house, broken heart. Little, you guys know how they put those little things on emails now or text, text this And so uh, it says broken heart. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Okay, wow, that was abrupt. So I called her and said, what's up? And did he get a job promotion within the, the, the uh, hospital where he's at? That's what I thought was happening. And um, she said, uh, no, I'll explain later. Well, that's not good. So they've been married over 25 years. And so I called her and she starts telling me and well, we just had, there was a lot of conversation. If I read you the text, which she gave me permission to do, but um, there's a lot of conversation. And ultimately, they had this heart-to-heart talk. And it wasn't a good heart-to-heart talk. Anybody ever have those? And you know what? They, they, they acknowledged, Kevin says, and I love Kevin. He says, uh, he says we've, we've changed. After 25 years, we've changed. And I just don't, know that I want what you seem to want and you don't seem to be happy. And my sister says, so I don't know if we're going to make it. I'm like, wow, that, that comes out of left field. I don't know if we're going to make it. Well, Kevin was in the uh, Marine Corps. He studied with the Navy and that's where he got a lot of his training for radiology and 
So he did that. He was offshore and on tours for six months and nine months on ships or where you no communication, all that kind of weird stuff back during the, even during the Gulf War, the first time in Iraq. Um, so they've gone through a whole lot. And Kevin's been faithful and he's served and he's worked and I just appreciate him. And uh, he's a good Italian guy. Anybody know any good Italian guys? <laughs> and so I'm like, Cindy, I said, what do you mean? I mean, you, you really think like it's over? Well, I don't know how we, how we, it just seems like he doesn't lead. He doesn't this. He, he's not, I want him to be the spiritual head of the house. And he doesn't, he's not leading. And he seems to not care. And he comes in and does this. And wah, 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 wah. That's exactly how she sounded. And I said, stop it. I said, you know what? I said, he's done this. He's done this. I, I, I mean, it's like maybe he was my brother instead of her being my sister, right? You know why? Because she was wrong. And I said, you got mom lives with you. That's my mom lives with you. You take care of mom. Your daughter is diabetic and she's all over the place with her sugar numbers. And she runs to you for everything. You're just a little fix it. You're in this codependent little thing going on and it's whacked out. She needs to learn to manage. She's not telling you some of the food she's eating and the things she's not doing right. And so you're coming into the rescue all the time. And then you're there for the oldest sister in the family. And then you're there for this. And and everybody else is running your life. And you and Kevin are strangers. But I remember sitting at Taco Joe's in Charleston, South Carolina with you guys. And I remember how you guys interacted and we had such fun. And and I said, I remember sitting in Savannah, Georgia with you guys. And you guys talking and we were just the the, the banter. and, And I was there, but I saw it wasn't just me. It was you guys. And that's who you really are. And I said, if you don't cultivate this relationship between you and him, the kids are going to leave home and you're going to be exactly like mom and dad that after 31 years, you just get divorced because you don't know each other. And my sister was silent for a long time. Now, this is probably 10 minutes of a tirade with me going off on my sister, so to speak. And she was quiet. And I actually had to say, hello. She said, I'm here. And I knew she didn't like it. But you know what? This was reclamation time. This is that we're not going to let this. No way. This is a lie from the pit. Your marriage is more important. And you need to begin to change some things in your life. And you need to begin to to have relationship that you and Kevin are, are important. And you need to have dates. And you need to spend time with each other. And you need to be honest with each other. And you, you need to begin to, hey, you were, you were going to, she said to me, she was going to homeschool Marianne, my 17-year-old niece, again. And she, she's just not into this homeschooling thing. She doesn't do so good, my sister doesn't. And, and she's always behind and always stressing. And mom is right there. And mom's 81 years old and just requires a lot of attention. And I said, stop. You got all these brothers and sisters that could take mom. I know she hates Ohio, but there's, there's people who would know. She needs to go for a visit to Florida where the got two sisters and she can stay a week and give you a break. And you and Kevin go out that night. Put Marianne into the school system where she needs to be. 
make her accountable for her diabetes and her own treatment because that's what she needs to do for the rest of her life. And empowering her. Bottom line is, Cindy, the, she's, she's kind of like, we were a whole lot alike in this area. All of a sudden, boom, Marianne's going to this school and this is happening here and mom's going to Susie's for a week and she had all the things that were like, boom. And you know what? She told Kevin what I said. And Kevin said, he's exactly right. Of course, I was saying things that were more favorable toward him. But the bottom line is, is I thought, here we are in the midst of this, reclaiming what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And what are we going to do? Stand by and just go with the flow? Not just no, but heck no. See? No! It's kind of like emphatic. You've got to get like that, see? So here it is, verse uh, 1 of chapter 14. I think I'm there. It says, then a fugitive came. No, it's not. It's verse 13, right? Or verse 14. Then a fugitive came. Am I right? Verse 14? 13, okay. I didn't put that reference down. Then a fugitive came and told Abraham the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshcol, the brother of Aner. And these were allies with Abram. When Abram heard the news that his relative had been taken captive, Lot, he led out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative Lot, with his possessions, and also the women and the people. <laughs> wow. Now, let me, let me exegete that just a little bit for you, which means let's break that down a little bit because you'll lose it. See, if, if we don't do this, you won't catch the point. The point is, is that he'd been blessed and they were successful and they broke off into their own little territories and each one is doing well. And some enemy came in and they took Lot and they ransacked and and took him prisoner and took his family and all their possessions. And it was almost like in those days, nothing else would happen. You just got overrun. And if you lived, you were lucky. And so in this case, here they are. Now they're in captivity. Who knows what's going on with Lot's wife? See what I'm saying? Got to realize they, they don't give a rip about what's going on with your family anymore. They don't care about your land. We just took it from you, see? So here's what happens. Verse, verse, I want to break it down to these six verses real quick. Ready? In verse 13, you got to know who your friends are. See, he's got some allies. It's important for us that we don't try to do life alone. We don't try to do life on our own terms, figuring that, oh, I, I don't need anybody. See, even Abram with the promise from God that your descendants will be like this, it wasn't his descendants here. That's not who it names, these weird names there. These are other tribes. These are other people. These are, these are just, these, these are his allies is what the Bible calls it. It's important for you to have allies. Do you know that? You need people who you can walk, go down into the dark alleys with. You know what I mean? Hey, I got your back. Oh, really? Hmm. You might have fair weather friends and you need to trade them in. You need to find out. That might be some of those questionable people we've been hanging out with. 
Well, you need an ally, and that's what the family of God's supposed to be, an ally. So you've got to know who your friends are. That's verse 13. That's really what it says. Verse 14, you've got to have an attitude. <laughs> you see what happened in verse 14? The serious pursuit. I like that. You think you got, you, you got a, a full house where you're at? 318 men born in the house. Isn't that what it said right there? Isn't that what I just read? 318 men born in this house. You know what it meant? Is it he was serious about discipling and training up and equipping. And what he had is in the end for someday, which is why you plan, why you prepare. You know, you can't cross that bridge when you come to it if you haven't been building the bridge before you got to it. See, because otherwise there's just a big gap there. Somebody has to build the bridge and it might just have to be you. So in this case, it says 318, they were let out his trained men born in his house, 318, and he went in pursuit. Wow. Let me, let me tell you that you have a mission, parents, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. Your mission is to train up your children, and that extends beyond what, what, what you might have said. Hey, I've raised mine. I'm all, I'm all done. No, take some responsibility. We have a responsibility for each other. That's what a family does, see? And so in this case, it's right here. He's trained them up. We've got discipleship. We've got this thing. It's, it's class 101. It's this afternoon. Change the time, 2.30 to 5.30. We're going to pack it in in that time. This is one of our foundational things. It will become part of New Life Fellowship as long as I'm here. And that is, is to equip you and to help you understand what the church is about and what our mission and vision and what God has for us. And so I've invited people who've been to, to churches and been part of things. And, and, you know, it sounds like membership. And that just means I belong in this boat. Folks, we want to we go to the places where we've never gone before as a fellowship. I want to I see us rise up into the blessings and the things that God has for us that we've never tapped into. And something has to change if we're going to get there. So we've elected to start these, and this is a 101. We're going to go through 401 uh, every month. We've got one of these classes starting in the new year. We'll be running 101, 201, 301, and 401 wherever we need to, however we need to, to be sure that people, when you come on, you know what the game plan is. You know what the, the, what the, what the manual is, and how we're going to move forward, how we're going to have a greater impact, how we're going to see people healed and set free, how we're going to see people being, that need to be baptized because they got saved. Wow, there's a thought for the church. And we haven't done that too good. And, but we're going to do better. See? So uh, that's today. You might just say, hey, we've got to cancel everything else. We're going to do this to this afternoon. We're going to come here. It'll be a wonderful three hours. You, you'll be su- surprised, especially the old people. You think you've been there, done that? You'll be surprised with what we cover in this one, new information. It'll be very good for us. So I know it's pleasing to God too, by the way. So here it is. It says, this is training up. That's why I give that little spiel right there. Is It's a matter of training you up, equipping you to, to be a warrior. Trained men born in his house. 318. It says he divided his forces. Here's point number two. Uh, well, it, the attitude is you've got to have serious pursuit. This is the first posse, by the way. Ever, anybody watch, watch Westerns? Where the bad, they get a posse and go after the bad guy, right? Well, this is what he's got, 318, part of his posse, see? So serious pursuit. It actually says, look at what it says, how it reads that. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them. Now, now stop. What's the next word say? 
and what? Pursued. He defeated them and pursued them. Do you get that? It's not that he pursued them and defeated them. It's that he defeated them and pursued them. It's very important, the order of that. I'll tell you why. It's very important that you don't just pursue something, but that you actually capture it, you win, you succeed at it. See, too many people don't go for the gusto. They don't go all the way. They don't finish it. So you start something and you don't finish it. Anybody got trim still needs to be put up around the house? Huh? Walls that haven't been painted? Huh? Got stuff that you you were going to do and just never got back to it? Hello, I live in a house just like this. You got to finish. That's what's important. It's, it's, so, it's important how you begin, but God's got the beginning part already. He says, come to me. See, he, you're a mess. He says, come on to me. But how we finish, that's up to us. Because if we'll apply the, the, the things, the principles, the statutes, the commands, if we'll live this life that he lays out for us in the manual, the Bible, see, then that's on us. Well done, my good and faithful one, student, you know, student. Servant, the, 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 I love this 15 now. Uh, yeah, you're in, Matt's in here. He's good at math too. I call this divine math in, in verse 15. See what it said? It says he divided his forces. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? But divide in here, this is divine math. Literally divided means multiplied. Because what he did is he had some two different points of attack minimum that he was able to come. We call it a flanking motion sometimes in warfare. It's a matter of they came at it from two different approaches. So thereby it actually multiplied their effectiveness and it divided the camp. Paige, you ever do divide and conquer with mom and dad? You know what that is? Get mom and dad separated and ask them questions. And probably not because she's a good girl. What about Matt? Did you ever do that with mom and dad? Divide and conquer? Hey, mom. Dad said this, but you know how I like this. And pretty soon mom's saying, yeah, okay. And later on, dad says, why, why did why'd you let him do that? Well, he said you wanted him to talk to me. Yeah, but I didn't say yes. I said talk to her because you know I felt about it. Well, I thought when you didn't tell him no, I thought we just did the divide and conquer thing, see? In this case, divine math is that divided means multiplied. He actually increased his effectiveness. See, that sometimes it's called like I am here at the church. Sometimes I'm a bottleneck. See, if it all rests on one guy, one guy becomes the problem. That's why God describes it as a body. It's all of us together, not just the bottleneck guy. Verse 15, as he continues on, it's, this is the important point here. It says he defeated them and pursued them. You got to finish the task. Remember what Jesus said? Bringing us up to communion. He said, it is finished. He didn't leave it undone. See, in the garden, when he says, if possible, let this cup pass before me. He had the option right there to say, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to notice if that trim's done or not. Hey, it's, it's no big deal. The main thing is when you walk in, you'll see this or that. No, no. It is finished means I've got to take it all the way. I've got to complete it. So he defeated them and pursued them. 
all of a sudden we could get merciful, see, in the pursuit here. And what we could do is say, well, we got, we, we've won the battle. We're, we're, it's good. And that's the case where in 1 Corinthians ten twelve it says, be careful lest when you think you stand, you fall. Do you know what that means? You get sloppy and you get comfortable and you think everything's okay. And then, bam. Got to stay on your guard. You got to pursue this thing. If I'm going to be this, if I'm going to be victorious, I've got to go all the way to the end. You know what? There's a scar. Some of you can't even see it, but some of you remember I had some skin cancer removed up here. And, and I, the, the grievous part to me was that I felt really picked on anyway. The procedure, if you ever had that happen, we had the same doctor, Fred. <laughs> and, and what happened is at some point they had to take me three different times and they were called. He said, we're going to scrape it to the edge. We're taking it to the edge. That's what they called it. And um, that meant we've got to go till we get a clear sample. There's no evidence of cancer. And so the first time, little little thing, and you know, it's about the size of my thumb nail, maybe the outside, but it had been building under it in, on the inside. That's a dangerous kind, kind because you don't see it as you don't know it's as bad. And so what happened is, is took me and took the samples and was testing that, and I had to go out and wait for thirty minutes and had a little bandage like this on my face. Called me back in, no, we didn't get it all. Got to do this again. They put this thing around my head and. I can feel, like this time, some blood running down my neck. And uh, toward the end of the procedure, I can smell my burning flesh. That's a terrible smell, by the way. And uh, when they're doing it, it was like this. Just pluck your cheek there. Go ahead and pluck your cheek for me. Just That's what it felt like. And they're, they're grabbing it with tweezers. It's kind of, I don't know what the process was like, but I'm telling you, that's what it felt like. They're just doing this. Now, it's deadened. I don't have pain, but I can feel this. And so... This time they go in and it's a little bit bigger patch, you know. And so I go out and sit with Arlene. And now I'm emotional because I'm like, okay, God, where are you at? I don't like this. Say, so the next thing I know, they call me back in. God, do this again. Now what happens is he tells me ahead of time that he's got to come up close to the eye socket. So he's getting in dangerous territory. And so at some point I said, well, how much do you have to take? And he said, we got to go till we don't find it anymore. And so he says, do you want to see? And I said, yes, I want to see. So he holds a mirror up and I look into the inside of my, my, my cheek. And it was about the size of an egg, small egg, medium egg. That's, that's what the size was right here in my cheek. And I mean, it was just overwhelming to me. And I sat there feeling that picked on, feeling betrayed, feeling abandoned. Just a simple thing, but it was big in my, in my heart at that time and in my mind. And I go back out. Now I felt more dripping. I smelled the smell worse. I go back out. And, and Arlene, literally, she just had to be quiet with me while I wept. Just kind of quietly because I wasn't the place. I, I'm, a, I'm a, a weepy guy anyway, but... I didn't really want to be on display. And now I've got this patch that literally covering a little bit of my, my right eye here. And I thought, well, if this doesn't work, where are you? And I'm talking to God. And he had to tell me, I've got this. Eventually, the next time I go in, it was clear. But he says, we're going to take this until it's It's done. And it was there that I had a picture of the cross and what is finished. 
And this life is not what it's about. It's about eternity. And I'm expendable for his purposes. Folks, that's a true statement for all of us. He wants to be glorified in our lives. And it's not only the good times that reveals it, it's the bad times it reveals because that's where we get to activate faith. That's where we get to really believe. That's where we get to express it to hurting people, to people who don't know Jesus, who don't have this relationship, even as Joseph was expressing about his presence. So make sure not just down, but totally out. And I want to finish it this way as we move to communion. See, the devil thought he'd won that day when Jesus hung on the cross. And God showed us right then the way, the truth, and the life. And he showed us that when things look worse and really bad, insurmountable. It might just be that the next move is where God shows his power and his authority and his sovereignty and his love. That's why we hold on. Well, there's a story in the book of Revelation. How many of you read the book of Revelation before? Revelation of Jesus Christ is what it says. Pretty, pretty heavy stuff. Can't go too far, but I'm just going to read these 10 verses for you and make a point, and then we'll do communion. See, there's a place where devil started something. He came in and was going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. Been at it for a long time, unabated. Unabated to the quarterback. Know what that means? Seems like there's no resistance. Just having his way. And all of a sudden, God says, enough. That's what the cross is about. God said, enough. Well, we know that at the end of the book, that's exactly what happens. There's coming a day where God says, enough. Once and for all. See, he's already won the victory on the cross, but he hasn't totally judged and bound the evildoer, the accuser. The devil, see, he's still allowing that to go on. It says that it's only because people are getting saved that people still need saved. That's the only reason that God allows that. Now, you'd think that, well, why didn't he just, if he's so powerful, why don't you just fix everything? Well, because that wouldn't, that'd just be him being dictator kind of God. Instead, he believes in us and he chose to work through us, through humanity. And he chose to work through pain and suffering. That's what the cross is about. And he, he subjected his only son to that. Here's what it says in chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer. Until the thousand years were completed, after these things he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. 
This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sands of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Let me tell you that this is really much like Satan trying to copycat what God said he's going to do. See, he's a counterfeit. He's not the creator. He's the one who steals. And so what happens is he deceives people and makes it look one way, but it actually isn't that way. Isn't that the way it was with the party scene? Isn't that the way it was with our former manner of life? We thought we were okay. We thought everything was, we'll get by. And then we found out that, I I said it this way, my friend, he would take me and get me into some of these places and get me to doing these things. My friend called the devil. And uh, when when he got me there and I was in the thick of it, and I was in trouble, I'd look around and I'd, where where would my buddy go? And I found out he wasn't my buddy. I found out he wasn't my friend. I found out he wasn't trustworthy. I found out that he was a liar. I found out his whole purpose was to set me up to fail. So here he is. He's trying to have his own allies and he's gathering in. Because he wants to be like God. That's what his, his desire from the beginning was. So that is, he tries to do this. And, and look at that. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. Hello. Right back to Genesis. The promise that God says over Abraham and a covenant promise. And here it is in the end. Satan's still trying to be like that. Trying to rise up and show his power. And here it goes, the rest of the story. And the devil who deceived them was thrown. Up. Oh, wait a minute. They came upon the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You know what happened in Lot? When it says that they, they got the goods, do you remember that? It says here, it says, he brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. See, he wasn't talking about the goods that were Lot's goods. He was talking about the enemy's goods. He was talking about those who came in. It's called the spoils of war. Do you know when, when they do a drug bust and if your car was found to have drugs in it, that they can, they can what's that called? confiscate your car or vehicle or a house where it was used for those purposes. That's what we're talking about, the spoils. So here's what happened. They got the spoils of war, not just the scars. So you never know how many people may be set free by your actions. God did. He said, by the action of one man, everyone can be set free. But you have to choose. This week, do we have that video? I don't know if you got my email about that YouTube video. 
I'm not going to waste time on it. It's only, you can find it. How many know that this, uh, this house, these three women who were held captive up in Cleveland, that house was demolished this week? Remember that? Uh, the story came out that, that one of the relatives, one of the girls, uh, she was actually at the controls of, uh, at some point they felt safe to let her have the controls, I guess. And so it showed her climbing out of the cab where she, she was, and it happened to be her aunt. Now we're talking about an uncle here with Abram. But, you know, the point is the same. House was torn down. That person's going to spend the rest of their life in prison. And they've been judged. See? And, and in a small way, that's similar to how God works. And he says, I'm coming in. I'm going to reclaim. And that's what he wants you to do is begin to reclaim some territory. He wants you to go back and reclaim your children. He wants you to, to, to pry them out of the abyss. See, the abyss is where he ends up, Satan. So guess where he wants you to be? He wants you to join him there. He wants your kids to join him there. He wants humanity to join him there when God's plan is heaven. And so for all eternity where he's going to be, he wants to drag as many as he can with him. Meanwhile, God says where he is, eternity and paradise in heaven, he wants you to join him there. One's a good guy and one's a terrible guy. Which one are you going to follow? Which one do you want to let win? Do you know you have a choice and a decision? That means every time you get to choose, you evaluate if this leads up or down. It's as simple as that. It's an up or down vote, up or down decision. Because guess what? If that's my destination, walking sideways doesn't get me there, will it? Just continue with what I've been doing won't get me there. I got to begin to climb the stairs. See? I got to get on that path. Here's what I'd like to do. Kevin, would you help me get those baskets? I, I want you to do this this morning. You may, you may be totally free. You may be free of, of vices. You may not have a thing like sometimes I, I get this. We'll put them right here. This is an altar. That's what we're going to call it this morning. And, and these are, this is, we're doing the same juice thing for, for communion. You might think this is packaged and all that. We're going to learn, by the way, this afternoon some significance of water baptism and of communion more than what we usually get to share on a Sunday morning. And so this has a little plastic on the top where you remove that and the wafer, the, the, the bread will be exposed. And then underneath it, it has a, a foil for the, the juice. Just be careful, but you pull that back. Here's the thing. As you move forward this morning, I want you to have something in your mind, something in your heart about some dream, about something that, that God gave you, that, that he told you, something that he put in your heart that you want to possess, that's something you need to reclaim. There's something that, that the devil has come and tried to steal, kill, and destroy. And this morning as we come for, for communion, that we're coming to receive and to possess that which God has possessed in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's reclaiming territory. And we could have given you a cup and you could have stayed out there and you could have done this little secretive thing right where you're at. But, but, you know, this morning the Lord spoke to me about, you know, coming to the altar and bringing that. And, and here it is. Jesus was sacrificed on the altar. The altar is a cross. And this morning as you come, that you're reclaiming something. You're reclaiming what, what God has for you. And you're, you're not going to settle for, oh, well, stuff happens. Well, you know, it's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. And you need to treat it like it is and know this, that God's got the victory for you and it's represented in the person of Jesus Christ.
Know what it is? There's an old song. The song goes like this. Well, we went to the enemy's camp and we took back what he stole from me. We took back what he stole from me. The song comes right out of the narrative of Abram and Lot. This morning, you might have to come back and you could reclaim innocence this morning. You can come back and you can reclaim some promise that, that God, he told you something, you've been holding out for it. And you think that it, you'll never get it. And I want to tell you, just like the old man Simeon of the Bible, he says, now my eyes have beheld the salvation that God has promised, the Messiah. I want you to know that God wants you to have hope in your heart and he doesn't want you living in despair. He doesn't want you living a defeated life. He wants you living a victorious life. And that's what communion is about. It's about his victory over sin, over death itself. And this morning as we do this song, which is a rather rejoicing song, this is not a somber moment. This is a, hey, hey, we went to the enemy's camp and we just reclaimed what is ours. We've got an inheritance as the son of the king, as the daughter of the king. And we just coming back in and saying, I'm letting you know, I'm taking it back. It's mine. Give it back. Huh? Amen. Well, that was pitiful. I'm taking it back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, preach it. Preach it. I'm taking it back. You know what that means? No, you're not getting divorced. Are you kidding me? 25 years. Who else do you think is going to put up with you? Do you know what you've done to cultivate in each other? You're going to let that go to the waste. I'm telling you, your greatest moments are right ahead of you. You're going to learn to date again. Make him a bubble bath, Cindy. What? Yeah, make him a bubble bath. Women, stop thinking your men need to romance you. Maybe you need to romance your man. Oh, I didn't hear much on that one. See, what happens is the devil keeps telling you what you don't have and you just whine about it. Instead of saying, well, how can I get what I don't have? How about I'm going to have to do something to get something? See, instead of this entitlement age, which we live, which says you deserve it. Huh? You know what you deserve? You deserve death. You deserve punishment. You deserve wrath. And God said, that ain't the way I'm going to work. Because my love dictates that I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to release you. I'm going to set you free. And the whole crowd erupted into a loud applause. Because that's what he did. Amen.